What if I told you that someone's going to wake up and start facing the problems and challenges that they've been avoiding? That someone's going to make changes that will transform their life? That someone's going to let go of their fear and start pursuing their dreams? What if I told you that this person could be you? It's time to step up your awareness and start taking control of your life. Discover a life of meaning and purpose. Empower yourself to be the best that you can be. It's all here in the Garrett's Guidance Show. Welcome to the Garrett's Guidance Show. I'm your host, Garrett Gano. Every week we come to talk to you about purpose. We come to talk to you about passion, about how you can find more meaning in your life. We come to talk to you about awareness and how you can increase your self-confidence and feel more empowered. And this week we are going to cover the five keys to a strong, long-lasting relationship. Now, some of this information um, is available right now. If you go to garrettsguidance.com, you can download my audio program on relationships called Believe in Us. But I'm going to ask you to wait. Wait until October 1st because I'll be offering that audio program for free. That's right. If you go to garrettsguidance.com, my audio program on relationships will be available for free. So if you love the content in this podcast here today and you want more, like you just didn't get enough, you thought there's some more there, well, I go in depth. I go hours and hours of content information about sex, communication, all sorts of things that are helpful for people in relationships. And I take data, I take research, and I take my experience in working with couples over the years as a therapist. And I provide a content-rich program so that you can gather the most information you possibly can. I even show you how to do it. I show you how to have healthier communication. I would just cover the surface of it. I cover in-depth information on how you can improve your relationship. So as of October 1st, that's right, October 1st, 2018, you can improve your relationship, get valuable information. I would say that there are hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of therapy that you are saving yourself just by going into garrettsguidance.com and downloading this information. So once again, that'll be available October 1st, 2018. Go to garrettsguidance.com and download it after that date. So today we're covering five keys to a long-lasting, strong relationship. Now, I had contemplated what are some key things, what allows a relationship to go from short-term to long-term and to really be a solid relationship where potentially you could see somebody going on for years. What are five key things that would sustain a long relationship? And I had contemplated this um, over a long period of time, I've been thinking about this for a while, and some of it was was quite easy to identify. Some of it, it was just kind of self-evident. Well, you need this. And then there were other things I thought of, you know, these are some key areas where I feel that people may be lacking, and they may, they may need to reflect on how if they don't start incorporating these things in their relationship, there's potential for some problems. 
and there's some potential for some damage to occur. So I'm going to do the best I can to cover all five with some kind of depth. Now, I won't be able to go as in-depth as my audio, audio program, but I'd like to at least give you some content-rich information here today that you can take away and to start reflecting and considering for your own relationship as you uh, progress. You know, whether you've been with a person for 10 years or only two years or even six months, it's a good opportunity to reflect on whether or not these things exist in your relationship and what perhaps has existed in the past that you need to continue to bring forward into the future. So the first thing that I'd like to start off with here is, is kind of self-evident in any, in, I mean, you read any book or you go to see any therapist or you watch any movie, you know, you'll be able to tell that trust is one of the most important things that you need in a relationship. So that's the first key. In my view, without trust, you really have no opportunity to create a strong bond where you can start to build intimacy and other things that are necessary to sustain yourself long term. What trust really provides, it's a foundation and it provides uh, an opportunity for the two of you to feel secure and to find stable ground where you can start building on yourselves and, and progress in a relationship where you can start to intimately work together to share information, to be vulnerable, to start to learn about one another and the depth of a person. Because otherwise, if you don't trust a person, you're going to have your barriers up and you're going to have these boundaries that are quite tight and strong. And unfortunately, when that happens, it can make people feel somewhat alienated or somewhat distant within a relationship where they don't feel quite close. Now, if that's what you're comfortable with, you like complete distance where a person needs to be like on the other side of the room. Most of the time, some people have that form of attachment and that is what it is. But in my view, you're not going to be able to sustain a healthy long-term relationship by having those, uh, that distance for too long. In order to be able to build a strong relationship, it requires vulnerability. It requires an ability to uh, be intimate with a person where you can start to share your personal feelings, your thoughts, what, you, you know, what you're um, feeling about a situation, a circumstance. It allows a pathway for communication to eventually develop. So without trust, you really don't have a, a relationship, a strong relationship at all. What you have is probably chaos. And if you want evidence of that, you see anybody who breaks trust in a relationship where they go out and have an affair, as soon as trust is damaged, man, it is the most difficult thing to get back, but it's also the most uh, chaotic time of a relationship. Anytime somebody goes through a situation where some form of uh, trust is betrayed, whether that's an affair or you you catch your, your partner lying to you or maybe they're even committing fraud or they're doing something that, you know, they're living a double life that you knew nothing about. It is devastating to a person. I mean, their world collapses because they have what they thought was this secure, stable place is now they're in the middle of the ocean in a hurricane. It's like, oh God, and they're not in the eye of the storm. They're on the outskirts in the middle of it and they're, they're getting boiled over by the waves. It's just brutal. It's brutal. So trust, in my view, is the first and most important key that if you don't have trust, you basically don't have a foundation. Your, your house is built on, you know, in the middle of an earthquake. That's, that's what's going on. You're, you're in the middle of an earthquake and, uh, and you're also having a hurricane and a tornado all at once. You're just, it's too much. You need to have trust and you need to build on that. That is something that is built over time and something that both of you earn it. You earn the right to learn something deeper about someone else. You earn it over time. It, trust should never be given right off the bat. 
There should be, I guess that's not entirely true. You should have some surface level of trust. I mean, you trust a stranger to some degree for a couple of minutes, but over time is what you develop. You develop that deeper and deeper and deeper trust. And the deeper that trust goes, the more you rely on each other and the more you create a strengthening bond that becomes unbreakable. It doesn't matter what you go through. The two of you are able to get through it as long as it isn't necessarily something that's life-threatening or something like that. Or even an affair, an affair can rock that too. But for the most part, the deep trust is necessary. Number two, communication. Now, this seems obvious, right? This also seems like an obvious one. So the reason why communication is important is because if you don't have communication where you can openly talk about things that are important to you, um, eventually you start to feel like you're alone in the relationship. You start to feel this bit of alienation, like the person doesn't really know you deeply. And... Even though there are topics and there, there are things that are difficult to talk about, they're absolutely necessary to find a healthy way to talk about them. Because I find that the things, that, that why people come into therapy oftentimes is because they can't talk about a topic. They're struggling to be able to communicate with one another. And they, they need to learn tools to be able to have a healthy discussion about things that are very difficult to talk about. The unfortunate side is by the time they come into therapy, that thing that they've been avoiding to talk about has turned into this ugly monster because they've re repressed it for so long. They spent so much time not talking about it that it built up energy. And that energy suddenly is released when they come into my office or they come into a therapist's office. And it's, it's chaos. I mean, there are times where I'm like, listen, I need a timeout. <laughs> I need a timeout. You guys are insane right now. Take a breath. Let's take a step back. Let me get you some water. Okay. We're, we're, you guys are on the verge of killing each other and this isn't good. And so part of what I do sometimes is I referee in the middle of these communication battles, but the ones that are able to come in and have some kind of level head and to take information, even though it's painful. And that's the key thing. Even though information is painful, if you can find ways to communicate to one another about the most difficult of topics, you develop a better trust and intimacy with one another. You learn to be able to understand and to move forward with your challenges. And that's if, if you're willing to talk about it. Both people have to be willing to talk about it. The second one person's willing to talk about it, but the other person isn't, they're pressing back or maybe they're avoiding it, is when the person who's trying to talk about it eventually shuts down and you do not want to get to that place. The place where I see people start to fall apart in their relationship is when one person tries to reach out to the other person or maybe both don't want to talk about it, but usually there's one that tries and is desperately trying. It's usually the female, to be honest with you. Men are kind of stubborn, but it's usually the female who tries to reach out and talk to their, their spouse about it. And because uh, the other person is so stubborn or they're so hurt or they're so emotionally charged about it or there's so much going on with that particular topic and it's pressed and then they try to talk about it in different ways. They write letters, they... And eventually what happens is the person who's trying to talk about it says, I've had enough. And when they've had enough, that's a dangerous place because it means that they're going to start talking to someone else about it. They probably have already. They, they're their family, their friends, everybody else knows about it. They know the depth of how they feel, but the partner doesn't want to hear it. That's a bad place to be in. You want to have an open door for communication. And even if it's painful, you have to talk about it. You have to find solutions together. You have to work at it. Relationships take work and they take problem solving and that communication is imperative to do so. Now, what you don't want to do is you don't want to attack a person with it. 
So in other words, a way not to approach your spouse is do not attack them viciously with whatever it is that's going on. So if you have a problem with the way your partner, say, is taking care of things around the house, and you go up to your partner and say, you're a lazy son of a bitch. You don't do anything around here. You're terrible. I don't even like the fact that you you leave your socks everywhere, the dishes are in the sink, and you create a mess. Doing that once is okay. You're protesting. But if that's how you communicate on a continual basis, the chances of you resolving that issue or discovering why this person's not capable of carrying their weight or whatever the case, you're, the long-term repercussions are that, that the two of you are going to end up arguing more than you are finding solutions. And so what I would like to encourage is as much as possible trying to be able to approach the situation and to adjust how you communicate with the person so that you get a response and so that the other person is engaged and they don't feel threatened by your behavior. Now, I go into in-depth about how to communicate. I'm not going to do that here in this podcast, but if you want more information, as I mentioned on October 1st, visit garrettsguidance.com. You can get more information on how to communicate so that you can learn specific tools of what you can say about your tone, about all the different ways in which you communicate that can be helpful so that the two of you can be able to share and address problems. The ones that make it long-term are the people who are able to do the best they can to address problems, and to do the best they can to try to reveal the truth of their thoughts and emotions to one another so that they can move through and develop a closeness, a bond, and a trust and and work on solving some of these issues. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with three more keys. And you don't want to miss them because they're huge. So stay right there. Hey guys, Garrett Gano here, and I wanted to announce that I'm releasing my audio program, Believe in Us, absolutely free for you to download as of October 1st. That's right. On October 1st, you can get hours and hours of content on how you can improve your relationship absolutely free. Not a dime out of your pocket. I'm not asking for your email. I'm not asking for anything like that. All you have to do is go to garrettsguidance.com after October 1st, 2018 and download the program. And guess what? I'm actually giving you permission to copy it and to share it with whoever you like. That's right. You can use it however you see fit. So bottom line is that if you want information on how to improve your relationship, on how you can get through things like communication challenges, maybe even an affair, or if you just want to improve your relationship in general and find out some key information that I share with you that's actually backed by research, just go to garrettsguidance.com and download Believe in Us. And you can download it by section if you want. You want something on specifically about affairs? Go ahead and download that. If you want something on how to improve your relationship on different areas, go ahead and download that. Whatever area, communication, however you want to do it, it's up to you. Just go to garrettsguidance.com and download that as of October 1st. A full moon shining bright 
Edge of the water, we were feeling all right. Back down a country road, the girls are always hot and the beer is ice cold. Welcome back to the Garrett's Guidance Show. Today we're talking about the five keys to a strong, long-lasting relationship. And before the break, we were talking about communication and trust. And so the third pillar, or the the third key that's important, in my view, is sex. Now, sex is a very complicated topic. And once again, I come back to this. I I talk about it in my audio program, but I'm going to touch the surface here. And I'm going to start out with some interesting research that I just found out. Um, So I just found out not too long ago, I was reading an article and I don't know why they never tell you this. I was, I was talking with some colleagues and they never teach you this in graduate school. And I don't know why this seems like a really important statistic or I shouldn't say statistic, but tool to evaluate your relationship. And I never thought that, you know, this would be kind of obvious, but nobody receives this training. I like, I was talking to all my colleagues who I happen to work with and many other therapists and nobody received this training, but it's a simple way to evaluate your relationship. And perhaps because of the utility of it, you know, maybe people didn't find it useful, but uh, I thought it was good information to share with people. So I'm going to share it with you today, here today. So Robin Dawes happened to do research in the 70s about um, trying to find a formula that would work to be able to predict the outcome of a relationship. So which relationships are more likely to continue staying together and which ones are more likely to separate and to evaluate the health of a relationship. And (laughs) this sounds simple, but he took two variables of a relationship, which were sex and the number of times that you have arguments. So in other words, the number of times you have major arguments, not little tiffs, you know, if you're making dinner and you have like a, a, a light argument about what to eat for dinner, we're not talking about that but actually major arguments where you're yelling and screaming at each other. And he found out that whichever one is greater will determine your relationship. So in other words, if you take sex minus the number of times you have sex in a week minus, I think it was a month though, sorry, the number of times you have sex in a month minus the number of times you argue in a month. And if that number is positive, then the likelihood that you have a healthy relationship is fairly strong and it's a good predictor that you're going to continue to stay together. If you have more arguments than sex in a month, the likelihood of you ending up in separation is fairly high. And I thought that was interesting. That's a simple way of evaluating, but I think it outlines how much negativity can impact a relationship, but also the importance of sex. Sex is one of the most important pieces in a relationship because if you're not having sex, you're just roommates. That's all you are. You're good friends. And I know, I know a lot of relationships, a lot of couples actually who come into my office and you can tell like on the surface, they're good buddies. They're good buddies. You can tell they have healthy communication. They trust each other. They're great friends. And there's absolutely nothing going on between them, between the legs. Nothing. There is no sexual tension in the room whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's gone. And so what I use sex for is I use sex as a good indication of where people are in their relationship. If they're frequently having sex, it's a pretty good indication that their relationship is still, there's still something there. But the second the sex dies out, depending upon how long and how infrequent it is, will tell me on where they are typically emotionally with one another in terms of attraction and desire. And also tells me where they are in terms of closeness and intimacy. They're likely miles apart inside. 
even though they could be good friends and good buddies on the outside internally, there's probably a lot more going on. So sex is without a doubt one of the most important keys in a relationship. If you're not having sex, there's issues, man. There's issues. Now, what I talk about in the audio program is all about how to have better sex, hotter sex, more enjoyable sex where you're more intimate with one another. But I also talk about its its importance and its importance as well. I think one of the key things you have to recognize is do you feel like you have a healthy sex life? Do you feel like sex brings you closer in terms of your relationship? Do you feel like you're fulfilled sexually? And if you're not, you need to use that the, the first two pieces, the trust and communication, to talk about solving some of these problems. And it's a very sensitive area. So that's why that communication piece on how you communicate this topic is so important. And that's why I find that the, the couples who have the hottest sex also have great communication. They're capable of talking about it. And then there are those who, are, who had hot sex in the beginning. They didn't really need to talk about it because they had that raw attraction. But to build a deeper intimacy and to build that deeper part of sex, you really need to get down and start talking about it. Especially after marriage and after you have kids, these typically are times where people's sex life tend to take a dive. And people are so busy and they get so caught up in other things that they're not paying attention to their sex lives and it becomes kind of taboo to talk about. That's huge. You need to talk about it. You need to be able to address it. It's like the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about. Well, guess what? If you're not talking about it, the chances of things getting worse are quite high. Whatever you don't talk about will tend to grow and get worse. It'll be that, you know, that uh, elephant in the room, like I said. So addressing sex is important, but also talking about how you can improve it and what you can do to have hotter sex and what would feel good in terms of intimacy and to make you feel emotionally close. You know, there are some people who are going out and having threesomes and, you know, trying to, trying to do all sorts of things sexually that isn't necessarily bringing them closer emotionally. And I think that's one of the, the big misconceptions out there. There's a lot of magazines that promote hotter sex. And what they don't understand is if you actually improve people and their emotional connection, you improve how they feel and how they can improve the overall feeling that they have towards their relationship and the things that they can do um, in other areas, their sex life improves on that alone. They don't need to go out and start having threesomes and start, you know, like let's, let's start dressing up like Batman. Like, I don't know, whatever you're kinky and what you're into, it's okay to have some fetishes. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I like kinky sex too. Like it's all good. But I think the key thing is to be able to discuss it in a way in which it doesn't create potential consequences. I've had many couples come in to my office who say they decided to have somewhat of an open relationship and found out that their spouse was going out and having sex on their own without necessarily sharing it with their partner. There's a lot of things that get messy out there. And then there are people who are too afraid to talk about their kinky side. That's not good either. You want to open up, and that's the point of intimacy. That's the point of communication, is opening yourself up physically just as you would open yourself up emotionally. So the next one we're gonna, I'm going to mention here, the next key is, in my view, vital for a long-term relationship to, to exist, to continue. And that means that the two of you have to be on the same page. So we're going to call this mutual goals and you know, mutual ways of creating a relationship. So what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it helps if the two of you are going in the same direction in life. 
It helps if the two of you feel like you're on the same ship going in the same direction, that you're building towards something that mutually you think is what the future will look like. I will guarantee you, if one of you can't see a future in the relationship, the, cha- the, the, the chances of creating a future are fairly slim. An important part, especially for women, I would say this is more women than men, but it still exists for men as well, is the ability to see a future is huge. The second a person doesn't see a future in the relationship, they don't see a mutual path, they don't see a place where the two of you are building, then it becomes problematic. Then a person starts to look for the exits or starts to look elsewhere, starts to consider their life without their partner. Creating a mutual vision where the two of you can start to build on and that can start with activities that the two of you want to create together. That can be a child that you want to have. That can be a house. That can be a dream. It could be anything. But the main thing is that the two of you are on the same page about the future that you want to create. And the challenge is, is that if you can have all the connection, great sex, different things like that, but eventually over time, the two of you will feel like your lives are being torn apart if you're not going in the same direction. Either that or one person will will go on the other person's dream and say, fine, I'll self-sacrifice to be a part of your dream and just follow you. And then long-term, they experience some resentment because they're not on the same page and they realize they didn't really want what they, what they agreed to going on the path of the other person. And I see that happen too where somebody's like, after five years, they're like, man, I don't want this anymore. This wasn't what I intended when this started out. And I made a bad decision to follow you because I thought that's what I wanted was just to make you happy. But now I'm miserable and I resent it. I resent it because I'm not getting what I want. I'm not creating the life that I wanted. We're not on the same page. And then suddenly somebody leaves and it's devastating for the other person because they thought, I thought we wanted the same things. No, you got to speak your truth. Speak your truth of what you want and make sure that the two of you can agree and be on the same page and that you can make set if you're going to make sacrifices you have to make those sacrifices with the recognition that um that you're okay with that that you're not going to resent that that you that you want to continue to go down that path because you think it'd be good for the both of you that that you're working towards something that the two of you want to build and so there are many things that can be helpful towards that and one of the things is you know if you want to establish a goal I say if, if you've been a couple of years into your relationship, it's a good time to evaluate, you know, are you going to live together? That's a good way to start. You know, how are you going to intertwine your lives so that you're creating an us, an us? Otherwise, you can feel like you're just living separate lives, but in a relationship. That can be difficult. Some people can do it. Um, but I find that the strongest relationships are the ones where their lives are intertwined, where they create a, a, an us. They create a life together that that relationship becomes a mutual life within itself. It's its own system. It's its own um, entity and something you have to nourish and something you have to feed and something that pulls you in together where the two of you want to contribute to make it grow and the two of you are continuously pushing things on the same page. So, for, for example, you create mutual friends by joining an organization. You create uh, mutual goals where the two of you are saving money together. You know, you're putting your money towards something that you both want or you're operating, you know, a house in the same way. Like it's, it's a system. A relationship is very much a system and the two of you have to be able to have a mutual sense of goals and, and, and ways in which you're developing that relationship. 
Last but not least, the final key to a long-term healthy relationship, in my view, is support. You have to support one another. And what support looks like is multiple different things. So an example of that might be in a household, you support each other in terms of your responsibilities, whether that's financially, whether that's in terms of chores, but you're finding ways in which you support one another. And if one person is sick and they're ill or they have something going on with them, you pick up the slack to support them to make sure that they can recover. That's what support looks like. Another ways of support is emotionally. Supporting each other emotionally can be listening to one another, offering your support, offering solutions, and being able to make sure that you're there for them in time of suffering, to have compassion for the things that they struggle with, and to also be hard on them when, when you need to. There are times in, in a relationship where you've got to be honest and tell them, like, listen, you know, like I know that you're hurting, but you need to, you need to suck it up right now. You have to be able to get your head in the game. You're falling apart. You've got to pull yourself together. And sometimes your spouse needs that. That's, that's tough to talk about, but that's real support. So support, one of the big things. What are three things that we could take away from today's podcast, Gary? Well, one of the things is make sure that you take time to build on your trust and communicate openly and honestly with one another. That's how you create intimacy. That's how you pull, your, uh, pull each other closer. Number two, Make sure that you're uh, addressing your issues in your sex life. Sex is one of the ways you can measure your long-term relationship for sure. And number three, make sure that you're supporting one another towards mutual goals that benefit the both of you. So that's it for this week. Hope you have a good week. And just remember, as always, real guidance comes from within. Take care.